What's up, independent insurance agents? Are you finally fed up with the massive amounts of time, money, resources being allocated to customer service within your agency? Is this causing your agency growth and revenue to become stagnant or even decline? The answer to this frustration is Glovebox, the premier mobile and web self-servicing solution made by successful independent insurance agents just like us, specifically for independent insurance agencies. Guys, this is the only platform with direct carrier connections. Glovebox gives your clients the power to engage within their writing carriers and you, their agency, in a single, easy-to-use platform. Mention the Insurance Guys podcast and get 20% off of your monthly subscription for life, guys, for life. This isn't an intro deal. This is for life. Schedule your demo with Glovebox today. Thanks. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Glovebox. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a 6'3 sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'm great, Scott. How are you today? Well, I just screwed up the intro for the first time in okay. 187 episodes, but that's okay. Yeah, we fixed it real quick, didn't we? We did. Um, guys, do I have a story for you today? Here's the story. Bradley, do you remember last week? Bradley and I are on a business Zoom call. Mm-hmm. I was at the, the Toyota dealership getting my, my mini truck. That's what I've started calling it, my mini truck. Getting it serviced before I drove down to Mobile, which is where I'm at right now. So Bradley texted me and he said, hey, you getting on this call. It was kind of an important business call that you and I had been looking forward to. Mm -hmm. Well, I've I've got all my stuff splayed out all over this table when I get your text. I was working on about three different things. And I'm like, shit, I forgot about this damn business call. So I jump on it, jump on Zoom, get on it. But I'm a little flustered and I don't really know what's going on as, as I'm about to tell you. So there's these these two gentlemen that are on the call, and uh, Bradley's on there, and uh, I jump on, and they're like, "Hey, Scott, how you doing?" And you could kind of hear I was in like an auto dealership because the music was playing the, the and stuff. Aesthetics of the auto dealership. Here's where here's where old man Scott. I, I felt like about a 72 year old <laughs> trying to use Zoom during a one year old birthday party. <laughs> you had a bunch going on. First, I had the microphone muted, so I had to unmute that. Then I had the video muted. Then I unmuted the video. Then they start talking, and I thought, well, you know, it'll be a good idea just to listen to this. Well, I, I forget to mute the video, and so I've got my phone so I could really hear well because I don't hear very well because I fired anti-tank rip rockets, dragons, javelins, predators in the Marine Corps, so I can't hear very well at all. So I have my phone up to my ear listening and forgot to turn the video off, and Bradley goes, Scott. Everybody started collectively laughing. Scott. And I said, I looked down at the phone, and he goes, we can see your earwax in your ear. And it all didn't register with me, and I did it again. I did it twice on the call. And finally, uh, you know, that was kind of the running joke through the whole call was that, you know, we're all getting a first-hand uh, glimpse at Scott's earwax while he listens Un- to the phone call. Unfortunately, I did not get a screen grab of it beforehand i felt like it was, I was so funny i thought you were doing it on purpose no no i was not i was just discombobulated at the time and i'm like sitting here trying to think and talk and listen and and uh it was very Keeps embarrassing things light. I, things light. I felt like my sister had my nephew's first birthday party a few years ago and she it was a zoom zoom call because of covid i guess it was last year and all the grandparents got invited mm-hmm. well my dad's on there, you know, uh, her husband's parents are on there, a bunch of family are on this Zoom call. None of them know how to use Zoom. So they're sitting there talking crap about each other. Like, my dad's like, look what she's wearing on this Zoom call. I'm like, Dad, mute the phone. I mean, it was, if you want to see comedy, guys, get your parents on a Zoom call and them not know that if they say something, everybody can hear it. It was, and we were we were on with the, the founder and CEO of an insure tech. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, that that was that was, that was one of my most embarrassing. No, I moments. kept it light. I don't think I, 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 it was it was fine. I think everybody thought it was funny. It was great when you said it was well, very apparent that you had a lot going on. Therefore, nobody was holding it against you. The greatest line he goes, "Well, now that we've all had a first row view of Scott's earwax, uh, let's get started." And I was like, "Ooh, that one that's going to leave a mark." Guys, we've got a great show for you today. 
I am humbled and blessed to have this guy on here for about 10 different reasons, but he is actually our second time guest on the IGP. So I'm going to go ahead and give him the introduction he's always deserved. He is from West Palm Beach, Florida, and he currently resides in Neptune Beach, Florida. He is married to the beautiful Anook, and they have two beautiful babies, a son named Landon and a daughter named Skye. If I ever have a baby girl, I want to name her Skye. That's a true story. He studied at the University of Central Florida, and he is the owner of Brightway Insurance in Punta Vedra Beach, Florida. Big family man, author, coach, uh, any person out there that is in the insurance industry can learn so much from this guy, and he's one of the most respected men in the insurance industry. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor to introduce to you second-time guest on the IGP, Mr. Billy Wagner. How are you, Billy? I'm wonderful. Thanks, guys. It's great to be on with you guys again. And this time, speaking of Zoom, it's really cool to kind of see you guys this time. Last time, you know, it was more of a phone call, so this is pretty cool. Well, what's funny is the last batch session we had was our first time together since COVID, Mm -hmm. which actually, because COVID happened at the beginning of 2020, we found out it had been like a year and a half since we had podcasted in the same room together. And your session was the one of the ones. And back then we weren't using Zoom right? because the whole world wasn't privy to Zoom at the time. And I remember thinking, gosh, that Billy Wagner episode was so long ago. So anyway, absolutely, super happy to have you back. Super back to super happy to see you. Yep. Uh, and super happy to talk about efficiency and time management today. Hey, Billy, before we get into the nuts and bolts of how we can help these insurance agents, I want to talk a little bit about you and kind of what you've been through the last month or so with your health. I know that for me, the times I've had scares where it was kind of touch and go, whether I was going to be buried or whether I was going to stay on this earth, it does provide you, if you've never been through that before, with a different perspective. So if you will, kind of give us a summary of what happened. I know it's you know public knowledge because you talked about it on social media, like kind of what happened and, and kind of how it might have changed your perspective a little bit. Yeah, it definitely was a whirlwind. And, you know, it started really just a, a week ago where I went to get a physical that I do annually and got a clean bill of health, you know, did all the EKGs and the urine and the blood and all those tests and got a clean bill of health. And then my health just started deteriorating every day after and each day got worse. And I ended up in the ER from that doctor's woman on Monday in the ER on Friday with severe pains started in my abdomen. Uh, and then, you know, they treated it as muscle spasms in the hospital on Friday and went home and next day, same thing happened again. And also thought it was muscle spasms and believe it or not, uh, I, I was feeling better on Sunday and just started trying to get back to my regular life and talking to my sister who's an ER nurse and a very smart person and she started asking me questions like she was the doctor on house and uh, asked me to put a pulse ox on and and literally if it was not for her I would have not went back to the ER Uh, she told she diagnosed it as a blood clot she said you're not presenting as muscle spasms and so there I go to the ER and they thought I had COVID because I had a fever and chest problems you know, COVID came back negative and they finally did the right tests and found out that I had a blood clot in my lung. Pretty scary stuff. You could see the concern on, you know, everybody's face, you know. Um, and it was kind of funny because as I was texting people, at first they thought it wasn't a blood clot. And then I was getting, oh, thank God it's not a blood clot. How awful would that be? <laughs> well, it turns out that's what it was. So, you know, long story short, I uh, got admitted to the hospital. They put you on uh, blood thinners and treat it, and then you you know kind of see the specialist from there, and that's kind of the process that I'm going through now, trying to take it easy. I'm still a little bit of short of breath, that kind of stuff, but this is actually my first day back in the office. And wow. Super um, grateful for all the people. I mean, it's just like, that's it, like gratefulness is really kind of what washes over you because you, you think about, you know, the relationships and you know, uh, how many people are kind of counting on you and, and I've got stuff still left to do. And so, uh, that's kind of, uh, so I'm super, um, humbled and very much encouraged about, you know, making sure my health is right. I mean, 
you know, you can make all the money in the world and have everything that you want. And if your health isn't right, it doesn't matter. Right. So that's definitely my, my mission going forward is to, to definitely get on top of the health situation. How happy was your sister when she was like, I told you so, <laughs> you know, she, you know, she, she had that moment when she was like, I told him, I told him. Yeah. She's not that person though. She <laughs> she was super humble and just, you know, definitely, uh, grateful that we got to the right diagnosis and, right. you know, got to getting, you know, attacking it correctly. So I understand. Well, we're glad to have you back and we're glad that, uh, you know, we, we did finally diagnose it correctly and got it fixed. So that's a good thing. And, and before we go any further on this podcast, you and Bradley, right before we, we hit go on this podcast, we're talking about something that I have no idea about what it is, but apparently behind your right shoulder right here, there is a robot in your office. Is that, is that, am I correct on that? What, yeah, that is definitely one of the, what, what is that? What, yeah, tell me, tell me the, more about that. Yeah, it's definitely one of the time management strategies. As I talked to you guys about last time, I tried to get 20 hours a week back and this was one of the strategies that it was. And it essentially allows me to be in the office when I'm not here. So I can basically control it with an app on my phone and I can drive around uh, the office and, you know, it scares the crap out of people sometimes because it's noise, a little bit noisy, but it basically rides around. I can go up and down and it's essentially me being in the office when I'm, when I'm really not here. Do so, they see you on the screen? Yeah. Yeah. So my face is on the screen when I'm walking around with a, yeah, with definitely with my face. Oh, that would freak me out. What but is what pull. is the what is the brand? What's it called? Like, yeah. How did you how did you called, figure this out? Yeah. So I, I it was on like a television show, like Modern Family or something, like several years ago, and it was very gimmicky. Uh, but it's called the Double, like D O U B L E, and uh, it'll run you about twenty five hundred bucks, and it comes with an iPad. So there's an iPad kind of at the top of it, and it you know basically it's like one wheel on the bottom and it controls and controls the, uh, the robot. And, you know, it's, it's not one of the better time management things, but it definitely was one of the things that shows everyone that I'm serious about trying to d duplicate myself whenever I can. So and, and for those lists, all right, go ahead. Your employees, like if I was sitting at a desk down the hallway from you and I hear this thing coming, I'm assuming they're like, uh Oh, here comes Billy. Right. I mean, cause you're, <laughs> You're on the screen looking down the hallway, I guess, and then uh, that thing rolls into their office to, like, the corner of their desk, and then y'all sit there and have a conversation. Yeah, yeah, you definitely can do that. I could actually look at their computer at the same time, too. I can get behind. I can do anything I want with it. you got to get pretty good at driving it, but it's really just an up arrow, side arrow, and, you know, you can go up and down with it. But, yeah, that's definitely exactly how it works. For that those of you wondering what it looks like, imagine a Segway – with a pipe on it mm -hmm. and an iPad at the top. That's mm -hmm. basically what it looks like. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. That's unbelievable. You've got to get one of those in each one of your offices. I'm not getting one of those. <laughs> My bunch, of, they'd figure out how to disable it. I don't know what happened to it. Yeah, that I could they see. put you in the closet. Here, let me put you in the closet. <laughs> yeah, right. Go, yeah. go away. Go out to pasture. I could see as a team member, because I know you can hear that thing coming. So so they're like, they're like sitting there, oh, boy, Billy's coming. You know, that would be kind of freaky, wouldn't it? I don't know. That's pretty cool, though. Depends I'm, on how you use it. Yeah. I could it, see it. I would imagine it being more like, hey, I'm checking in with my people. Right. Kind of thing, right? Or training. You know, yeah. get behind yeah. them. And, you know, they're they're at a computer. They're having a problem with, like, uh, whatever management yeah. system or whatever. He can, like, literally take that thing in there and mm -hmm. get behind them and say, hey, push, you know, control here and da-da-da-da-da. That's pretty cool, man. So let's talk about what else we wanted to discuss today to move the ball one step forward to greatness for all these agents out there. We talked about, and thank you so much for changing the word process to designing outcomes. I love that so much more than the word processes. So you wanted, we wanted to talk a little bit about that today. Let's, let's do that. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, the mission, you know, for you guys is always to help agents. And for me, I'm always happiest when I'm helping other people and, and when I have growth or when I can help other people have growth. And so if I, if I'm thinking about an agency right now, the number one thing I would focus on first would be the experience. And it's like, what happens when, you know, the phone rings or when somebody comes to your office five minutes before they open or five minutes after you close, what does it look like outside? 
how do they answer the phone? When a proposal goes out, what does it look like? How long does it take for them to get back? I strongly encourage agents to kind of secret shop their own agency way more than they do. Ask friends, anyone that wants or want, that calls you up and says, hey, I need a quote for homeowner's insurance. Hey, I'd be happy to help you that. Would you also mind doing this? I'll give you a gift card for dinner or something mm -hmm. if you would fill out this form when you're doing it. Mm -hmm. We do it with new hires. When people are coming on, we ask them to secret shop others and us. So finding what the pain points are, where can we add the light? Where are the opportunities to be better? And you let that be a baseline for your agency as far as how to improve. And then when you talk about like designing outcomes, for me, it's like looking at different things. And over the last year, I can tell you, and we can go deeper into these, but over the last year through a strategy that I call workshops, we have developed a new sales process. We developed a new welcome campaign. We developed a cross-sell campaign. We did a training on how to de-escalate drama with rate increases and stuff like that with Florida. And speaking of Florida, we had to deal with insolvencies and non-renewals. So we built a process around those. We developed a phone strategy, a VA strategy. So we took all these things that were a problem or an opportunity and we said, how do we fix them? And you know, the way we did it really is we identified it and we attacked each one one at a time. We have on the calendar now every month schedule what we call a workshop. And it's every month on the second Wednesday at 7.30 in the morning. And it's 7.30 to 8.30. Sometimes it's 7.30, 7.30 to 9.30, depending on how long. And we bring in three or four people that are, one's going to document it. One is a strategy person or someone that's very knowledgeable in that section in that area. And we just workshop the whole thing. We go through each specific item until we come up with a, a good resolution. I'll tell you, uh, just to tell you what a complete dum-dum I am. So we have been doing a lot of new processes and, you know, working on implementation of those processes in our agency, my agency. And I'm on the phone with Mike Stromso and I've got my operations manager on the phone and we're talking about the difficulty that we're having implementing these new processes that we're putting in place in our agency. So we have written process and then we have our own YouTube channel that only our team members can get to, to watch these processes. And of course we keep every process in a folder on a Google drive as well. And as we're talking through this and talking about this lack of implementation by team members, Mike just off the cuff, he goes, well, are you, work, are you workshopping this with everybody where you actually get them on a, you know, Zoom call or, or, or whatever it needs to be, Google Hangout, whatever, and you, and you actually workshop the process for an hour answering any questions, going through the process one by one with each team member to, to ensure that they know what, you know, what the process is and, and what the expectation is. And Justin and I both look at each other and we're like, no, we're not doing that. And I thought, damn, we're, stu we're such idiots. I mean, like we missed the biggest piece of the, the process, right? We're just relying, and th this goes back to poor leadership, really. We're just relying on team members that read this document and go watch the YouTube video and you'll know what to do instead of actually getting people in one place and workshopping it the way you're talking about doing it. Yeah, and, and I think it's also really critical, and Mike's a really smart guy. That's a very valid, great point. I think it's also really critical to get buy-in through somebody on your team that, hey, we, we didn't, I didn't just come up with this. We actually strategized around what the very best way for all of us to do this and then give them the opportunity to give feedback on it. And then what's really missing is we as owners think that, you know, okay, we did a video, we told them the process. But now that they should just do it. Well, the problem is habits are very difficult to create. So you've got to do more than just that. And so what we implemented is a monthly training session on top of that. So if we do the workshop on a topic, we're also doing a training session on that exact topic to go deeper, to role play it, to go through those scenarios together so that they do feel comfortable. And we also then incentivize them through changing behaviors we incentivize them to actually make those changes. So we have a spin wheel and you know, once a month they get spins for 
changing a behavior that we were trying to implement. Mm -hmm. So it's those other two strategies that I think are just as important. Right. Yeah. The buy-in is huge. I mean, you Mm -hmm. you gotta have that. And that's so hard sometimes. And I think part of the reason sometimes people don't buy in is you don't go to them while you're discussing this particular process. Doesn't matter what it is and ask for their feedback and involve them in it. It's just more that, hey, do this or your ass is getting in trouble kind of thing. Well, it's you know? one of those things, too, by bringing them in on the creation of the process, if there's not buy-in, it's their problem, not yours, right? Mm-hmm. If they don't want to do well, you're the one that helped come up with this. And so that's we've had a tremendous amount of success with bringing our team members together to mm-hmm. let's whiteboard the process together. And to be frank, we've came up with better processes than I would on my own yeah. by doing that. Yeah, and I, I also, you know, we use a, a form of traction where we do a weekly meeting. And in that weekly meeting, it is, there's a list that we call opportunities, right? So these things came from those weekly meetings that it came up that, you know, hey, we're having a really hard time with these rate increases. How do we, how do we solve that? You know, and so then it's, okay, well, that's something we're not going to solve now. So you put it in the parking lot or the brush fire col- column and you address it in a workshop and then come back and address it in training. And that's how you kind of, that goes full circle with that process. Hey, I got a question for you on your, on your EOS process that you just mentioned, as far as team meetings once a week or, or, you know, whenever it is, what does your outline for your EOS team meeting look like? I've got my own that we use, but I'd love to know what yours is. I will tell you that's one of the best decisions we've ever done in business is following this process. And it is uh, very much from uh, the guys at GNN. They helped me with it. But it's, you know, um, starting with your personal best to break the ice and then reviewing the scorecard. So we created our own scorecard for each individual. And, you know, that's we can get dive into that if you want. But that that scorecard is accountability. It is specifically what causes us to win is there for each person and each person gives a one or two minute overview of their scorecard. And we talk about uh, the highlights in the calendar, what's going on for the week. We have an opportunity to do a shout out or we call it being awesome to recognize people in the group that are doing great things. And then we look at what was assigned last week. And then we spend the majority of the meeting on what we just talked about those opportunities. So it's an issue or an opportunity. So it's if something happens in the office last week, Sally just doesn't go tell Jenny, hey, this is a problem and vents to Jenny. She just it goes on the agenda and we collaboratively do it together. So there's no venting and all that kind of stuff going on. So you guys have like a shared so, forum where they can add to the agenda for next week or something of that nature. Yes, absolutely. Yep. And it's a it's an Excel file and it has. I was going to say, if I'm guessing they. By putting it, by having to put it on the form and wait on the meeting, a lot of times the problem's solved by the time the meeting gets here. Yep, it absolutely does. And it's, it might be, hey, this happened and this is how I solved it. And it was, it's like 30 seconds, right? And so that, that happens a lot, but it's also, it's a, that's the other thing too, as business owners, we do a terrible job of communicating and we think that communication, oh, I told them that, but it takes probably five times to tell us something before it actually kind of really sinks in for everybody. So this allows us to make sure that the accountability is there. And the cool thing about it is this meeting can run with me or without me. I haven't missed a single one except for this last week with everything going on, but it runs because the agenda is set. It's exactly timed to 32 minutes, right? It's everything is on there to the minute. So is it just your, do you have just your leadership team in the meeting or is it everybody whole staff? Nope. This is the entire team. Okay. So is it 32 minutes every single time or is the goal to make it 32 minutes? It's 32 minutes every single time. If, if it goes over for whatever reason, we cut it short. Like if there's something on the agenda, I'll be looking at the time. And if there's something on the agenda we can push to the next week, we'll push it. Our phones are automatically forwarded for that 32 minutes. So, but they start ringing right at 33. So we're back, we're back at it. So it's, it really literally is time to the minute. And it's, we, we also found that something that's very important is, we were doing it at the wrong time and it was frustrating people. We wanted to do it at the beginning of the week. So Monday was the day we had to do it, but we found that doing it at 1030 
really allowed them to get their desk cleared and feel comfortable from the weekend communication. And just 1030 was the actual perfect time for us. It's funny you say that. We've, we've actually recently moved hours from Thursday to Monday just because tracking the week before, sometimes Thursday is too late in the week. But we, we're at 3 o'clock on Mondays. And for the same reason, so but we're kind of still playing with that. I have, I have a question, though. You know, you're you're an extremely busy guy. You've got 32 minute meetings, and they're exactly 32 minute meetings. So my guess is, or actually, I know that every minute of your day is scripted, right? And as a business owner, as an agency owner, there's so many opportunities throughout the day for us to be pulled away or get distracted or you know, you walk through the lobby and somebody grabs you and has this problem, which you want to help with because it's it's a big, you know, it's an issue or whatever, right? And and so it's funny that like, so my mom had a boss uh, years ago before I was born, and she to this day talked about what an a hole this guy was, and one of the things he would do is his staff was not allowed to address him unless he addressed them first. Which I get, it's a jerk thing to do, but the more things happen and I get pulled away and get distracted, I'm like, I kind of, kind of see where that guy was coming from. What, what have you done in your office to kind of prevent those things from happening and getting distracted and folks interrupting your day and that sort of thing? Not that that's not going to happen, and not that if if anybody on my team is listening to this, I don't, I want them to stop bothering me. But take us kind of through what you've done for that. And certainly I think the meeting has, you know, the agenda has helped with that, I'm sure. But what are some of the, the ways that you've communicated and relayed that to your team? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And I think that will help a lot of agents. There's always too many things going on, always. And I think one of the most important things with it is I created a document that is basically a what everyone's role is. So what my role is, is clearly defined. And so I'm the CFO of the agency. I handle the financials. I look at the budgeting and the planning. So that's my area, right? And everybody on the team has specific areas where they are a specialist in. So we have a flood specialist. They still are a regular agent, but they're a specialist on flood. So we had a training on flood. That person led that training. So I have a specialist on high value homes. I have uh, a specialist on the ENS market. I have somebody that is in charge of the carrier uh, niche sheet and the guidelines. So everyone has these responsibilities and they become the first person that the team goes to. It's not me. And I haven't written business in seven or eight years, so they can't really come to me from an insurance question. And then every time something like that comes up, Bradley, I look at that and I go, who's responsible for this? And I redesign it. Because I'm like, okay, well, no one's responsible for that. So it, it became like the IT issues, right? So we have an IT company, but they still came to me until I dis- assigned an IT person that was in-house that when the printer wasn't working, they were in- responsible for calling the IT company. It wasn't me. So I basically, it's a passion of mine to work myself out of a job. I don't want to have anything to do because I can't be a great leader if I am being pulled in a million different directions. So I think blocking time blocking your time in your day i also think we do a um you know i have another leader in the office and him and i split the office in two he starts on one side i start on the other and we do a one-on-one session with everybody once a week not everybody i pick one and then i move and then he does the same thing and and by the time we get through we've 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 hit everybody pretty quickly and that allows them to share things that are going on. We know what's going on with them. So it creates a block of time for them to, to address things with us as needed. And we also um, use you know Slack very well. And I'm sure you do too, or whatever teams, but th- those things are in there for support where somebody has a question and it can be resolved. And then everybody learns from it. It can be a little bit distracting, but everybody then learns from that situation. And it's searchable. So... A lot of times you can, if you have an issue, if it's been put in Slack, you can search it. So we as an organization, just like as people, because we have these smartphones in our pockets, we're as collectively way more smarter today than we were 20 years ago. You can do that for your organization with Slack. If all these issues and questions are put into there with an answer, if a new person 10 years from now wants to know, you know, 
what the flood zone is in this neighborhood, they can search that and it shows up, right? That's a bad example, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, and it's and it also got a goes full circle to what we were just talking about, where the meeting agenda, the issue of the opportunities on the agenda, then it gets moved to a workshop, then it gets moved to training, and now it's a bona fide process where it doesn't happen again in the same way. We're better for it. And we, we, you know, we tackle those things in a, in a different way. Hey, Billy, on your one-on-one sessions that you do with each uh, team member each week, did, you did say each week, right? You or your, your business partner or whoever you assigned, you both do one one-on-one each week with each. How, how long are those meetings? They're about 45 minutes. Sometimes they're a lunch meeting. Sometimes they're a coffee meeting. And sometimes they're just a walk around the building. And really, the idea of that is really just I'm interviewing. I'm doing a review of myself, of the business in their eyes. So I'm asking them, how happy are you? You know, what are your pain points? What do you love doing? What do you not like doing? You know, so I have a bunch of questions and I always prepare those questions ahead of time so that I'm listening the entire time, trying to take action on them. And just really, you know, knowing that they, that I care is the biggest thing that I'm really concerned about them winning and how many team members right now probably a few or a lot more than the last time we talked on this podcast but where are you at in terms of total number of employees right now for for your agency so i have a different model where i don't have any service folks in house that's outsourced but for sales on the sales team we have a total of well a total of 12 total on the team and that includes me and that includes two virtual assistants and the others are Basically, I have one administrative person, uh, personal assistant, administrative, and then the rest of them are sales agents. So we've got basically seven sales agents that are selling. And then we've got the VAs and the admin doing the, the post bind and the processing, flying the keyboard for the sales agents so that we can be very efficient in that side. Yeah, they're so back, 12 they're, is our total number. Your, your VAs are back, back of house, correct? They're, yes. They're back of house. They're, they're doing, uh, like you said, everything post bind. In terms of, in fact, give me a rundown because I know these agents are all listening to this right now and they're wildly interested in kind of how you're set up. That's one of the the overall questions or, or comments that I get about our podcast is people really like to hear how different agencies are set up, you know, in terms of, you know, sales, service, management, leadership, those types of things. So you got your 12 agents that are responsible for doing one thing and one thing only, and that is sell insurance like your hair's on fire. And then you've got the two virtual assistants that are handling post-buying back-of-house stuff, correct? What, what, are, what are their responsibilities? Yes, we used to do this in-house, and it was our recruiting strategy to develop college students, and we just started scaling with VAs in the last year, and they've been it's been a tremendous experience. But like we have a 20, 25 hour a week job just in attaching stuff, right. attaching applications, attaching quotes. So yeah. they do all the attaching for them. They do all of our outbound faxing. They do all of our quote prep. So basically setting up the raters in for home and auto, handling like non-renewal lists. And then they do all the post bind. So when a policy gets issued, they update the CRM. They are doing the DocuSign and entering the policy in AMS. And then they have some other tasks where they are, um, you know, doing some auditing stuff. They run a cancellation report and we have them also cross-trained on the phones. So they each do 10 hours a week on the phones. And the main purpose of that is for scale of backing up people when we're, you know, I want them to have the skill set. So they only do 10 hours at our peak times. They work our peak times on the phones. And like I said, each of them does 10 hours. So those are kind of what we have them doing uh, right now. And it's been really great from an efficiency standpoint for the team. Um, and the agents have to sell a certain amount of volume to validate that post bind work mm-hmm. and that front end quote work. So they do it on their own until they validate and then they get that support mm, from them. I like that. So, so let me ask you a question. How, and, and this is selfishly because, because we have two VAs that are similar to yours. They're, they're back of house. They're doing a lot of the th- same things you just talked about. How do you ensure that from an efficiency standpoint, uh, one thing I've noticed is sometimes you'll send something to a VA that you could have just as easily done yourself, right? But, you know, instead of sending it to a VA and saying, Hey, put this in Hawksoft, you could have just, in the time you took to do that, you could have just done it yourself. You see what I'm saying? 
How do you, yeah. how do you make yeah. sure that's not happening? Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I think we give them work at scale, right? So okay. if they're doing, they're doing the faxing, they're going to probably do like 10 or 12 faxes in a day. If they're mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. attaching, they're going to, they're going to be attaching for three or four hours. Right. So it's, yes, they're all, they're doing that main task. And I think the other thing where a lot of agents struggle, this is a big problem in our industry, is we don't spend enough time training people. Right. Uh, and so like my VAs, like they went through a six week training process. My regular sales agents go through a 12 week training process. They're like insurance ninjas by the time they go through mm-hmm. those 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Every minute of training is timed and it's extremely time consuming for us and for the team and we spread it out and we have some strategy around it, but there's no getting around how hard it is, Mm -hmm. but man, are my team so much better because we invest that time Mm -hmm. with them. Right. I'll I'll answer that question too, because we're dealing with this right now. So we are beta testing our VAs doing our quotes for us. So where we're located, similar market to Florida, except we don't have any Raiders. So imagine Florida with no Raiders, right? Quote rush doesn't really work here. We don't have a Raider. So what we decided, we're, the, the most inefficient piece of our process is in the quoting. And so what we decided to do is we decided to, in our, our intake form, there's a button that says direct quoting. If they hit that, the carriers pre-populate, conditional logic, they select the carriers, boom, it goes to VA. VA does the quoting. The VAs are no faster or slower than the producer in the office. The key, though, is is that producer then can maximize his or her time by doing other things. They're not just sitting there waiting on the quote to be done. Right. So that's the kind of the first thing because because somebody asked me that why don't they just, why don't they just do it themselves? It's right. taking just as long. Well, theoretically, we could do double the amount of quotes because mm-hmm. he could be doing a quote at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, from a fax standpoint, okay, because there's things like faxes that we send to our VAs that it would be just as easy for us to do it from an efficiency standpoint and a consistency standpoint by having the same, and I'm not lecturing, I want to get Billy's thoughts on this, by having the same person doing that task every single time, we ensure that it's done the exact same way in a structured manner and we're not all over the place. Yeah, that is 1000% true. So if I have a problem with somebody, the way they're entering a policy in AMS, I only got to go to one or two people to figure out it, it, how to fix it. And, you know, the idea of if they're doing faxing, it seems so simple, right? Faxing is just faxing. You, it's an email basically now. But if, if, there's, if they can't find the fax number, then what's what, that, that person doesn't own documenting the fax number so that then we have it next time. So they're going to have to call the bank, get the fax number and document it. And they own that responsibility where if I just did it quickly, I may not do that. Right. So it, it allows your processes to work more efficiently. Uh, and people don't believe the volume that we do. They don't think it's possible, but the only way it happens is because of the efficiencies of streamlining the work individually uh, at scale. Billy, what are what are some of the things that, if you were to start over today from scratch, what are some of the musts that you think you would do from a time management standpoint? I think we really kind of hit on those with the the meetings. I think the that meeting weekly, I would absolutely start that from the beginning. From a non time management standpoint, I, I think it's the people side. Like if if you don't get that right, it's everything else is harder. So I would be very careful about like the people that I brought on originally, like you learn, like you didn't have the right structure. You didn't have the right, you know, system of telling them what winning looks like when they come on board. Uh, I think from the people perspective, I would make sure that that is right. And then I would basically work my technology a little bit better. You know, I think a lot of the times, you know, we're trying to band-aid different technologies together I would start with the route foundational technology so that I can build on onto that in the future. And then, you know, like I talked about earlier, the experience too, like making sure that experience is right from the very first client, you know, we get probably 4,500 referrals a year and it's because of the experience more than anything else. And so I would make sure that that is 100% correct each time. When you look at portal, we were founded January of 2019. We, we had a lot of turnover the first year and a half, we haven't had anybody quit or let anybody go in the last year, knock or almost wood. almost a year, knock on wood. 
And and it's because of what you just said, because in the beginning, it's like, hey, you can fog a mirror and you're willing to work for this much. <laughs> Let's go. You know, I'm just humble that somebody's wanting to work for me. And now we're at the point of like, hey, I would rather be shorthanded than bring the wrong person in here. Yeah. You're going to scale so much faster now when you have the right people. <laughs> it's amazing. And, and a lot of people are like, OK, well, they try to compare where we are now from, you know, I've been at this 15 years we scaled about 500,000 to 750 in additional new premium every year. So it wasn't like we blasted through it, but I can tell you when we got the right people mm-hmm. that doubled Yes, uh, because people want to work with people that are great, that are great to work with. I don't know. Just the synergy around that is, is unbelievable. What my team has dealt with in the last week is just remarkable. And they all had each other's back and they're just, we had a, a tremendous week. We were shut down three days for a hurricane and nothing stopped them. I mean, they're just, it's an amazing group right now. It's the best team I've ever had by a mile. And it's when somebody doesn't fit, it's like obvious right away. You know, yeah. that's been really cool. Hey, hey, Billy, I got a question. This is more of a, this is a time management question for you. And it's something that Bradley asked me about one day. And I think it kind of sort of pisses him off when I say it to him. But he will tell me how busy he is, and I always say, are you fake busy or are you real busy? Now, let me explain what that is, folks. To the 250,000 insurance agents out there, I'm just like you are, right? No diff- Scott is no different than you. I have to get my oil changed. Guess what? Dog needs to go to the vet for his heartworm medicine. I got to go by the drugstore because I got to get my blood pressure medicine prescription refilled so I don't have a damn heart attack from dealing with all these damn crazy ass clients I've got. So all of that is classified. And I will even say all the phone calls that are outside of moving our agency one step forward to greatness. So if I'm, you know, talking to Bradley about something to do with the podcast that to me, from an agency perspective, is fake busy. Mm-hmm. You, you didn't, didn't offend me. I was just confused as to what yeah, you meant. Then when you clarified, I was like, "Oh, that makes perfect sense." Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. So I, I have this, this. It's like a. It's, if you took a piece of notebook paper and you drew a line down the middle of it, there's fake busy on the left side, and there's real busy on the right side. Now, anything relative to the agency and moving our agency forward and making it better, in my opinion, is real busy. But I don't. I think that I represent two hundred and fifty thousand insurance agents out there in saying that if I took my day and I started, let's say at eight a.m. Let's just start at eight a.m. and I wrote down every single thing that I did until five p.m. or five thirty, whatever time you leave the office. I think that for myself, you could probably draw a line down the center of the paper and at the top put fake busy on the left side and real busy on the right side. And my time would probably be spent 50-50 most days. Doesn't mean I'm not busy every day, super busy all day long. But I'm fake busy 50% of the time and I'm, I'm real busy 50% of the time. Speak to that for me for a minute. How do I, how do I get to yeah. 100% of my time being real busy? Yeah, God, you'll that's never good. get there. I came but... up with that, folks. I can, <laughs> I can do a whole one-hour presentation on that if you need me to. <laughs> Yeah, you'll never get there. But I don't spend a lot of time in the fake busy world. I really don't. I know you don't. That's why Uh, I I asked you that question. (laughs) I I don't like it. So I just don't spend any time there. So through either a personal assistant and my wife stays at home. So she handles the house like the house is handled um, and we outsource almost we outsource almost everything. Right. So there's nothing there's nothing at the home that's my responsibility except for taking out the trash, which I'm trying to get my son to take over and really being there and being a present at home. Right. So, and and I think that it's, if you get those distractions and there's ways, there's strategies around doing it and it's, but it's incremental. It's a lot of singles, you know, like I don't pay any bills. Everything's on automatic bill pay. So if, if it's not on automatic bill pay, I don't use that vendor. So I don't spend any time paying bills, whether it be in my business. And I used to spend two hours a week, easy paying bills. I don't do it at all anymore. I don't like doing those things. So I've just basically 100% outsourced it. I see over time, I probably will have a full-time assistant. I don't have enough for them to do uh, right now. And on the agency side, it, it is that whole time blocking thing where 
when I feel great about the agency is when we're moving it forward, as you say, and I schedule that time to move it forward, whether it be through one-on-ones or through workshops or, you know, training sessions where we're getting better. That's where I feel like we're winning. And so I schedule that time and everything on my calendar is kind of scheduled, including time to do things that I enjoy. Like I'm writing a book right now that I've just about finished. I, I was spending 10, 15 hours a week on that book. And so, but I was able to pull that time off because I had it blocked. Give mm. us an idea of some of the other things you've outsourced at home. Everything. So uh, like uh, maintenance, I have like a, a handyman maintenance person that just comes over and checks the house once a year. Are your filters like, did you know that your ice machine has a filter you have to change? Like those things he manages, right? That's actually a business. If somebody wants to go and take that business on, like having a a home maintenance simplified because you don't realize and you end up not doing the maintenance you're supposed to do and your stuff falls apart, right? Right. You know, obviously I have, you know, lawn care. We have a cleaning person. I mean, everything is outsourced. We have like tutors that help kids with their homework periodically so that that's scheduled and it's, it's not a fight with us, with them. So, I mean, it's just basically anything that time sucks, we've, we've outsourced it from on the home side. So we just spend time together. That's what we do. So a couple weeks ago on the podcast, I said something to the effect of don't cut your own grass. I don't remember what the context well, was. Well, no, you gave context to that though. What did I say? I don't you remember. said, you said, you know, you can pick up time, time value of money, Unless, oh, yeah, let's say you love to cut grass, which I do. I love mm-hmm. cutting my grass because it's a mindless thing that yeah. I can do that, that I just you know, get a lawnmower and cut the grass. That, right. That's what was said. And I had a podcast listener that called me and I called, I, I can't remember who it was or the situation. This is not, he, he's listening to this and it's not hundred percent accurate, but something to the effect, something happened to the effect of. I missed the call and I called him back and I was like, Hey, what are you doing? He's like, I'm cutting grass. Oh crap. I'm so sorry. I was like, no, it's okay. If you want to cut your own grass, that's fine. Like I enjoy, I enjoy cracking open an ice cold beer and cutting grass. Yeah, right. Uh, I also enjoy being super productive as well. Mm-hmm. And I think you just have to make that decision sometimes, yeah. you know, I also don't currently own a lawnmower or I might, I might do that every <laughs> now and then. Anyway, what and I'm asking this question. This is not me asking this question. I'm asking it for the guy or gal that's listening to this. What do you say to the person that says, "Well, Billy, why don't you just do that stuff?" What's yeah, you could hire someone to clean your house, or you could also just do it on Saturday mornings. What else do you have to do at that time? So, what do you say to that person that's playing devil's advocate to what you're saying here? Oh yeah. And, and honestly, I've done all those things, right? Like we all do all those things that you couldn't afford to not right. do it yourself when you first started the business. Right. So you've done all those things. And you know, the part that I struggle with is the example for my kids. That is the part that I struggle with. It's like, they're not seeing me doing the hard work and they don't know that I worked 120 hours a week when I first started this business, that part I do struggle with. But for me, it's, I, purposely and intentionally value my relationship so much. So like on Saturday mornings, I have a Saturday date with my daughter and then the next week it's my son and we rotate. So that's what we do. And then we, you know, we go out on the boat together or we do something with our friends that is scheduled. Right. So we're also going to their sporting events and I'm coaching them and their teams. We don't have time to do that because we're doing those things that we really love and enjoy I don't want to spend my time cleaning the house. If you enjoy that, then do it. Yeah. But that's just, I I kind of avoid things that I don't like to do. So the bottom line is you're not sitting on your butt watching TV. You make sure that you are maximizing that time that you gain back. I'll give you a good example. Uh, Last week, I went up to Columbus, Ohio to see Matt Namoli, Hanley, and a couple more folks. Carruthers was out there and on a little project we're all working on. And... I flew Spirit Airlines on the way up there and everybody was giving me hell because the flight was $46 and they thought that I made a a money decision. And I told them, I said, I didn't make a money decision. I'm flying American on the way back. And as a matter of fact, I'm flying first class. Mm -hmm. It's not, it wasn't the money. Spirit got me there a half a day early and it was a direct flight. Mm -hmm. So I made a time versus comfort decision because I could have flown American on the way up there, but I had to connect in Atlanta. It would have been way more comfortable, but I would not get there until 7 p.m. 
or I could fly Spirit, be super uncomfortable for two hours, but I get another half day and I ended up getting to go hang out with the folks at Agency Zoom and Andrew Ryan and some of those guys. So I tend to look at things in those two lenses. Like, do I want to be super comfortable and this be really convenient or do I want to maximize my time? So, Hey, I'm going to tell you all where this all falls apart. I'm going to tell you where it all fall, falls apart. Because everything the two of you just said is all pretty simple fixes in terms of Don't put me on the same page with him. I'm horrible at managing well, time. But, but, but I'm, what I'm saying is everything the two of you have said so far makes perfect sense. You know, there's not much that you can't outsource to pick up time mm-hmm. to use in whatever way that you want to use that time, whether it's productive or unproductive or sleep or rest or spend time with your family. Where the wheels fall off this wagon is when, and, and this is probably going to be 50% of the agents listening to this right now, when you're divorced, <laughs> okay, you're divorced, and you're like Scott, and there's 50% of the agents listening to this that are just like Scott, and you have a child or multiple kids, and you make the decision to move 30 miles away from where your ex-wife lives, but you have the child 50% of the time, and he's still got to get to baseball practice at 6.30 at night, and you've still got to get him to school every morning. And those decisions, there's not an easy fix there because you can't just hire – you know, person and say, Hey, all I want you to do is haul my kid around, uh, to school from school, baseball practice, football practice, that, that one. Now that one is a little bit of a brain teaser. Now, yeah. now, you know, outsourcing the lawn care and, and which a lot of people do. And I have a house cleaner as well. And all these things, those are pretty cut and dry. But when you get to, we've got three kids and we split, uh, custody and there's all these after-school activities and things you got to do, and i got to get the kids to school one, one week out of every two, that starts getting pretty dicey. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that, Billy? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, y- you can't win that game, but right. there are some things. I, I think there probably is a business opportunity for a kid's Uber. But, oh, there's but such there definitely a is opportunity a, for the, You're so smart. <laughs> so my friend Jeff <laughs> definitely, Roberts. Definitely, but. With Yellowhammer Coffee, who yeah. was one of our first guests, has he's convinced he's going to do a kids Uber, taking kids to school, mm-hmm. but it's going to be a Tesla driverless car doing it. Well, as long as that some bitch doesn't wreck, <laughs> yeah, kill a kid, and then you're out of business. But yeah, I, I see where he's going with that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we we ha- we struggle with the the time, and sometimes we have to split up. My wife and I have to split up, and. You know, we, we do look for opportunities to carpool and all that stuff, but yeah, there's, there's no getting around. There's the logistical piece of that, mm-hmm. that makes it very, very challenging that it's very difficult to overcome. I a hundred percent agree. I, I think what you have to do in that case is you have to become Billy Wagner and streamline and get efficient in all these other areas Yeah. so that maybe if that efficiency model doesn't quite work with the the split custody kids thing, then then you have more time to be able to make those kinds of things work. Even though sometimes for me, I I just feel like I'm you know fake busy all week because I'm having to focus more time on and I'm having to you know from a windshield time perspective spend more time on the phone in my vehicle and do things there uh, rather than be sitting in the office behind a desk. If that makes any sense. I- I bet, if I had to bet, Billy lives really, really close to his office. Oh, of course. He's smarter than yep. I am. Four miles. Yeah. Four miles, yeah. <laughs> Four miles, but that, that took a process, though. Like, I originally had, you know, I originally had 10 locations, and I sold them all, and I narrowed it down to one location. And so uh, I also moved my house to our dream house where my wife wanted to live, and I bought a building for my office I had the range of how far I was willing to go and four miles was it. I got all the way to the end of four miles. Uh, I can take my golf cart to work if I want to. Right, <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah, that right. makes a big difference. I don't have a commute. And I can't remember if we asked this last time. I don't think we did because it definitely would have stuck with me. Take us through what a, a typical day is for you from time you wake up to time you go to bed. What's that? What is that like? Yeah, so I get up at uh, like six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning. And I have a morning routine. I'm, I set up myself the night before 
and I have a morning routine that I blow through and typically get to the office uh, about 45 minutes later. What is that and, morning routine? Uh, so basically um, the whole like dress, shower, have a cup of coffee, uh, walk outside with the kids. Like it's, it's the same every morning, kind of like spending a little bit of time with whoever's up and awake. And then, uh, then I'm, you know, in the office right away. I, I work out in the middle of the day. So I go home for, for lunch. Uh, I have a personal trainer three times a week that, that I meet. And so that's blocked on my schedule first. Uh, I have my nine to 11 time on my calendar is my peak time when I do the best work for myself. That's my peak. Uh, so my most difficult or my most challenging thing, I usually save for those type that, that time. And then depending on the day, I've got different stuff scheduled, you know, so I'm involved in, you know, different boards and local stuff like that. So, you know, I have a meeting at seven 30, some mornings and things like that, but the whole week is, is blocked out. You know, I've got time with my wife. I've got a date night. I've got, you know, like I said, the kids, the kids time, and then everything else gets filled in on that time that is available inside of that. And I use a calendar Calendly app. I use acuity, but the same thing is like nothing gets scheduled in times that don't, that aren't blocked off. Mm. You know, you get home. What time? What time are you done for the day? Depending on the day and depending on what's going on, whether it be practice or sports or stuff for the kids, I'm generally home by five 30. Um, and you know, we eat dinner as a family every night together. Uh, we do a family meeting on Sunday nights, every Sunday. And you know, the kids are super active right now in theater and sports and all that kind of stuff. So we got a lot of that going on. Um, but you know, that's pretty much, pretty much my, what, my what's, day. what's your family meeting agenda? What are we talking? 30, 30 minute meeting where we just talk about the upcoming week and goals and those types of things, or, or is that kind of what it is? Yeah. Yeah. I love the family meeting is awesome too, because it's similar to what we do in the, in the business. Uh, we actually created this idea as a project for one of the kids when they had to come up with an invention. And it basically has the same type of a model where you have opportunities or issues, they go on the agenda. So we don't fight or yell or scream or get mad because they left their socks on the floor. It goes on the agenda and then we collaboratively solve it together. We use Robert's rules and we take turns. The kids learn how to run a meeting. They run, they run one, then my son, my daughter, and then my wife, and then I, and we rotate around and who runs it. But essentially we work out things like, what are we gonna eat for the week? Like that conversation that you have every day, what do you wanna do for dinner? It's already decided. We do that on Sunday and it's decided. We also plan something that doesn't involve money to do together once a week. So it might be going on a hike or going out on the boat or something like that. We plan that during that time. Uh, if we've got something coming up like a vacation, we kind of, that's on the agenda. We talk about what's going on. And then the agenda is built on, you know, what those opportunities and those issues are. We also do our personal best. What was our personal best for this week? So all that kind of stuff happens during that meeting. And the kids, this is a breakthrough family-wise because the kids will absolutely follow what they helped implement. And sometimes they have a better idea than we do on how to solve an issue that we've got going on. Back to bringing everyone's employees got a in voice. on creating the process. Yep, right. They'll do it if they create yep, it. No doubt. Uh, what time do you go to bed? Uh, generally around 11. Mm-hmm. Figured it was later since you woke up at yep. 6.30, yeah. Hey, I need to say something. To, yeah. The, the 250,000 agents listening to this right now, okay? Every single one of you has a peak performance time during the day. Bradley, Bradley's peak performance time and my peak performance time are complete opposites, which makes it difficult to podcast because yours, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't it like 8 to 11 in that kind of your time to shine? Uh, more 9 to 11. But 9 yeah. to 11. Yeah. Okay, 9 to 11 for Bradley. For me, it's 2 to 5. And so, so what I'm saying is you need to figure out, which is not hard to do, because if yeah. you just – if you have – you know, you can sit there with a by yourself for five minutes and figure out, okay, when do I perform the best during the yeah. day? When am I the most clear-headed? When can I solve the most problems? It does not take very long to figure this out. And then that needs to be your time to be real busy. Yeah. Because you can when, – when you're at your peak performance times during the day, mm-hmm. boy, you can jam. And me, too, you know – I, I get a lot of work done. I get home from the gym at 6.30, 
I get a lot of work done between 6.30 and 7.30. Right. So I really have three times that I do – I have one true peak performance time from but an it, energy standpoint. Morning. So 6.30 to 7.30, usually I get a lot. That's when I do my answer emails, read read my mm-hmm. Bible. like like that, I get that kind of stuff done. And, and I'm pretty clear at that moment because there's absolutely zero distractions. That's all when about I first started, September. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I know. When I first started social media <laughs> and that sort of thing, that's when I would create my content because that's when I was the most creative. 9 to 11 is true peak hours. And then usually I re-spike, and I think it's like a blood sugar thing. Mm-hmm. I spike back up after dinner, so from like 7.30 to 9. Mm-hmm. And being that Clayton lives with her mom sometimes, or Clayton is with her mom sometimes, mm-hmm and we don't have a baby yet, a lot of times we'll get done doing dinner. Laurel's studying for 6 and 63 right now, so right. like I'll pump out some work. So for me, it's kind of those three times I can get a lot done. Everything in between that is when I'm an a-hole. Well, yeah, and I'll say this about you from a self-awareness standpoint, and I think you recognize this, but when I talk to Bradley after about 2 o'clock, I would say 2.30 to 3 until about 5 I don't know that I've ever met someone that seems to me, whether it's on the telephone or in person, I don't know of anybody that that has as a down cycle as big as yours during those time periods. You look like like when I see Bradley between the hours of two PM and five PM, he I literally want to tell him, dude, you need to go lay down and take a nap, man. And it's not that he's mean. He just seems so freaking tired that I feel like you almost need to go to a doctor and get checked it's, out. It's because the, the the first half of that day is You're jamming. You're jamming. You're jamming. Like, yeah, you're jamming. Yeah. Yeah. But if you talk to Brad if you call Bradley about three thirty in the afternoon, man, sometimes he just seems like he can barely go. Mm-hmm. Where for me, two to five o'clock, man, I am on fire. Fire. It, I might get 400 things done in 2.2 to 5 o'clock. It also depends on what I had for lunch, too. If mm. I have something really lean, like a, a tuna, you know, seared tuna or chicken salad or something like that, mm-hmm. um, typically I'm not like that. A lot of times because I'm But you don't have the discipline to do that every day. No, hell no. Okay. Well, unfortunately, too, my office is in, like, the mecca of food in Mobile, Alabama. There's right. anything you want within a walking distance. So some days I don't really eat really that good. And so a lot of times it has to do with that because mm-hmm. I really notice it. If I have the cheeseburger or the fried chicken mm-hmm. or the, the Thai food that we had today, sure. I'm going to crash afterwards. Right. So. Yeah. Billy, what about you? When when is when does the worst time during the day to call Billy Wagner when, when you may just be like, I can't do this right now? Never. Yeah, I, I think it's the end of the day. It's it's probably the end of the day, that three to five. And and what I've realized, again, the world kind of slowed down for me a little bit when I realized kind of what Bradley just said, like food and what you put in your body makes such a huge difference. And so if I'm eating well, then I have tons more energy. And if I'm exercising I've got tons more energy when I don't do those things, then I crash real hard, you know, and I try not to drink like a ton of coffee and all that kind of stuff, just because I don't want to, I do coffee in the morning and that's kind of it. Cause I don't want to be, cause I was doing it all day before. And so I try to not do that so that, um, I'm not dependent on it, you know? And so that's kind of worked okay for me, but it's, it's a struggle for everybody. You know, everybody that's busy and got a lot of responsibilities, that's definitely going to be a struggle. Well, Billy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Bradley, you got anything else before? No, sir. Hey, you were in the middle of talking a little while ago. I want to apologize. And all of a sudden, a dog crawls (laughs) out from underneath the desk right here. And you're in the middle of talking. And I said, there's a damn dog in here. (laughs) I didn't even know there was one in here. And all of a sudden, you were talking. And a dog just walks out from underneath my desk right here that I'm sitting at. That was Jed. Yeah, Jed. I'm sorry, Jed. But it surprised me a little bit. Billy, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. What I, I need you to do me one favor. These insurance agents need this. There's one thing from a time management perspective that you could tell these guys and girls to help them move that boat one step forward to greatness, to the lighthouse. What would it be? I would look at your calendar. If I see what your what your calendar looks like, I'll know whether you have your time management or control because the most important things are on there first. And you, you'll take care of those first. And, and I, I also, I think there's 
uh, a ton of things you can do if you want to be an expert on there. I've, I've read tons of books on it. I've listened to tons of people. Um, Darren Hardy is phenomenal on time management. He's got a course that is tremendous. Uh, so there's a lot of ways you can be better in that area. But to me, if my calendar's right, then my week goes exactly how I want it to. Mm-hmm. Guys, I'll end this podcast by saying this. Tony Robbins always says this, and it's something that's always stuck with me. Growth equals happiness. Happiness is an emotion. It is fleeting. It comes. It goes. Not everybody is happy. No one is happy all the time. When you find people who have more happiness than other people have, it is because they are growing in some area of their life, whether it's mental, whether they're learning new things, that equals happiness. People are happier when they're growing, whether it's physical fitness, in the gym, cardio. If you want to be happier, then you have to grow. You cannot stay at the status quo. And I think uh, the two guys I'm with today do a really good job of, of trying to grow both mentally and physically and spiritually don't care what religion you you practice but that falls in line with that as well so try to grow more as a human being and you will find more happiness in life as i always say rewards come from action not discussion get your ass out from behind that desk today and go out into the big bad world sell insurance learn something new today, go to the gym, sweat every day for 30 minutes, don't eat that bullshit that you usually stuff in your mouth, and you will be a happier human being. Make money for your family, for your wife, for your husband, for your kid's college fund, for your parents that are out there struggling today. Go make money for them. Write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Billy. Billy Wagner, we love you so much. You you are one of the good guys. You are the best of us, and we are glad to still have you above earth today. Absolutely. Such a pleasure to be with you guys. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. Thank you for being a part of our family. And if you need us, you know where to find us, and we'll see you soon in the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.